0: And we can live boldly and we can love boldly and we can be in the world in a way that other people know about Christ and His love for them. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Striebeck.
1: It's nice to be here on our second Sunday back in service together. I'm glad to see all of you here for Senior Sunday. Ryan asked me a few weeks ago if I wanted to do a sermon for this, and so of course I wrote it last night. Um, <laughs> so keep that in mind, and also uh, that I, unlike most of the people who come up here and do this, I have not been through seminary, so this may be a little more uh, standard than we're used to, and it'll definitely be a lot shorter. <laughs> I'm sure all of you... All right. right, There you go. I was waiting for it. (laughs) I'm sure all of you are well aware that our class has had a, let's call it, interesting senior year. We've seen a lot of hardships and a lot of difficulties these past few months. And I was looking through the Bible to maybe compare some of our current situations with stories in the past, which, considering the track record of the ancient Hebrew people and plagues, that was not that difficult to accomplish. Uh, In the end, though, I decided it might be better to choose a story that focuses on one person's relationship with grief and the way he utilized, utilized faith to go through that. So today I'm going to be using some verses from the book of Job. If you haven't read the whole book of Job, I would highly recommend it. At some point in the future, though, it's not a very, let's call it, bright read. It's a little dark. Um, this book follows the story of Job, an honest, good-natured, and wealthy man that God points to as an example for the benefits of piety. Satan, challenging God's assertion that Job wouldn't turn away from him no matter what, takes everything from Job, leaving him with his children, money, livestock, Or even his health, Uh, his condition is so poor that in chapter three, verses one through four, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, "May the death, may the day of my birth perish, and the night that said a boy is conceived that day, may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine on it." And he continues in that chapter to say more things that are just as bright and cheery. Uh, Even in this even in this misery, however, Job lands in the end facing toward God and believing that faith in him was still the most important thing. Now to draw it back to today, I feel like I need to say that we're not in a boat quite as bad off as Job's was. Like, things are pretty bad right now, but I'm not getting any boils on my face, and I haven't seen any dead cattle around either. So, (laughs) what I feel is actually the big connecting thread here is the outlook of the book's titular character. Like I said, Job decides to follow the Lord, even in his suffering, but it wasn't an easy road to get there. Chapter 3 contains a really painful lament at all that he lost, and later on in the book, Job actually does start to break God and start to challenge him for allowing such bad things to happen to him in spite of his purity, a charge that God actually comes to show up and answer for in person, and uh, I'll let you figure out who won that argument. Uh, Job isn't blind to the fact that what he's going through is awful, and he's understandably very, very upset with it. God allows Job to feel this sorrow, however, and his cries don't fall on deaf ears, In the end, Job ends up with two times the number of everything he had before, thanks to the grace of God. Job's end point in this story serves to prove that we, in lean times like we're in now, have to hold out faith that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. The Lord hears our cries and he remembers all of our suffering. What is more important than the end of this book, however, is the journey that it took to get there. It shows us that it's okay to cry out to God when we need to, and he even listens to us and hears what we have to say while also letting us know that it's not our place to inform God of how he's messing up. Chapter 42, verses 2 through 5, have Job responding to God's chastisement, saying, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. The book of Job shows us in a more personal way than anywhere else in the Bible, in my uneducated opinion, uh, just exactly how deep, how complex the grand design of our lives that God has created is. And it gives us hope that suffering is not in vain when he is looking out for you. I want to close today by encouraging everyone here to feel what they need to about how the world is right now, but to also keep at the center of your hearts the truth that God is always in your corner. Live in this unprecedented time, as though we have an all-knowing, all-loving God watching out for us. And I think you'll find that things are a little bit easier than they were before. Thank you. Colin,
0: thank you very much. Very good. Very good. Uh, You can definitely count on one hand, I'm guessing, in just around the world, uh, the number of high school uh, graduates, recent high school graduates, who, when given the opportunity Uh, to speak to their church would choose a text from the book of Job. So uh, when he told me that this week and he was sending me a text or we were talking on the phone, he's like, yeah, I'm kind of thinking about, you know, looking through the lens of Job. And I was like, say that again in my little static on the line, a little, Job, don't you just want those little cute little proof text things that's on the little graduation announcements? But uh, no, just thanks again, Colin, for a deep faith and a life uh, that is paying attention to these matters um gosh am so proud of these folks i get emotional looking at <laughs> some of them we've you know spent time uh hanging drywall with and and rockport and doing just watching them lead other students and youth and watching them uh, show up here every week and lead us in worship and come early on a sunday and and just all the things that they've done um We're thankful for you guys. Um, So the way we're going to close the service today is uh, in a moment, we're going to have the graduates come back up. And normally we would all kind of gather around them and lay hands on them and pray for them. But just right now we're not really able to do that. And so we're going to invite you from where you sit uh, to just be in a posture of prayer and pray for them. As, as, and we're going to have their moms and dads and grandparents or whoever's here supporting them to come up. And we'll have the graduates kneel at the altar. And we'll just have a time of dedicated prayer for them. And that's kind of how we're going to end the service. Uh, but as we move towards that and we think about that, uh, the text that Sandra read for us earlier is a, it's the last thing that happens in the book of Matthew. It's Jesus' last words you know, to the disciples. He's, he's going away and he says, okay, this is what it's gonna be like. And he tells them about their job. He reminds them, this is why you are here. You have been redeemed and brought out of the world in order to make disciples of all nations, all people groups. And he said, you're gonna go out and you're gonna do this And the work is in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And even then, these are the most seasoned, uh, well-spoken disciples that have been with Jesus all along. And we see even then there's a mixture of worship and doubt. And I think it's very appropriate for all of us, but especially those graduates, those people leaving home, there's a mixture of devotion and of doubt. And that's okay. Uh, That's an all right place to be. And Christ is still calling you to do things. He's still... uh, counting on you for things. And I want to close by uh, just talking about, uh, there's a guy named Os Guinness who came up with this way of talking about our calling in Christ. So, you know, we all have a primary calling uh, and we look at the baptismal font uh, and I noticed one of the pictures in the slideshow was somebody being held as a baby at the baptismal font. Uh, our primary calling as Christians is simply to be a Christian. Our primary calling is that someone loved us enough that a church loved us enough that we were brought through the waters of baptism and there Christ spoke to us and said, you are my beloved son or you are my beloved daughter and with you I am well pleased. And we carry that mark. It's like a brand. We can't ever shake it or get rid of it that God is pleased with us at the core of who we are before we ever accomplish anything or mess anything up. That's how God feels about us. That's our primary calling is to live that way. But each of us acquires throughout our lives a secondary calling. And sometimes this changes, but there's a calling. There's something out there for each of you graduates and for each of us here. There's something out there where God is calling us to be involved in a certain kind of business, a certain kind of work, a certain uh, kind of way of being in relationship. There's a secondary calling for all of us that will motivate us to do the thing that we must do in life, So we don't know exactly where that road is going to take us, but pay attention to calling. Don't underestimate God's desire to speak to you and to lead you and to guide you into those places that he would have you go. Because if God calls you to be a teacher or a coach or an engineer, he will sustain you and give you what you need to provide that service in the world. Because what the world needs are people who know that they're called. And in that way, we're sort of untouchable. And we can live boldly, and we can love boldly, and we can be in the world in a way that other people know about Christ and his love for them. And So I invite you as you leave here to work not in your own strength, but with the energy that God supplies. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.